You are listening to the FCF Leadership Podcast. This podcast has been created to help you connect and achieve your destiny as a leader. For more information, visit our website at fcf.org. Number 22, a leader is optimistic, not pessimistic, always expecting the best to happen. What if God be for me? Who can be against me? I mean, it just seems simple. Hey, I'm going to win. Read the back of the book. We won. Brother Copeland said, it's my ball, my bat, my backyard. We play till I win. We just keep on going. I'm expecting things to turn out right. How many know you'll get what you expect? I'm expecting to keep on growing. Somebody was talking about what we were doing with some things and all. Well, I'm expecting to buy more companies. Oh, I'll start the ones I need to start, but I'll buy the ones I need to buy. I mean, hey, if they're already up and doing it, I'll take them. Why should I reinvent the wheel? If they already made the inroads, why not just grab hold of the road? Huh? I don't know if I'm helping y'all, but I'm getting me excited. <laughs> Number 23, leaders are hopeful. One writer put it this way. One of the leader's greatest challenges before people is to present them a hope. How many know in this day and age, hope's being lost fast? In our society, with all that's going on, what's that mean? Hope deferred maketh the heart sick. See, we've got a lot of people sick at heart because they've lost hope. But I want to be like David in Psalm 43. God, my hope my exceeding joy. He is my hope. How many know without Jesus you ain't got any hope? One of the greatest things you can provide people is hope. Doesn't matter what. Number 24, faithful and full of faith. Faithful and full of faith. You have to be faithful to God, to yourself, to your mate, to your company, to your ministry, whatever it might be. Be faithful to it. But then on top of that, be full of faith. Expect the best out of yourself, your wife, your company. The only way you can do that is by being in the Word of God. That's what fills you up with faith. See, have you ever noticed the Bible talks about little faith and small faith? Great faith. See, faith is measurable. And the problem with many Christians is they don't stay full of faith. They don't keep running over with it. I mean, you know, when you run over with it, it spills out on someone else. Hey, that's what you got to have to be a good leader. Number 25, virtue. What do we mean by virtue? Life. You'll find that every great leader has a life element about them. Okay? They're full of life, energy, excitement, enthusiasm. Okay? A number of words apply there, but in essence, life. And when you got Jesus, he said, you came that you might have life, and life more what? Abundantly. 
I mean, know some people just barely alive. I mean, you can tell it in testimony services. Y'all pray for me, I hold out to the end. They barely got enough to raise their hand. But a leader will be full of life. You know, other people that'll use other terms, I'm not proponents of this, but they'll use a word like charismatic, dynamic, okay? And what it is is they have a life element about them, and that life issues forth from them, see? And they're givers and not takers. See, you've got two kinds of people in the earth, producers and consumers. You have to decide what you want to be. I want to produce. I don't want to consume. I believe it's God's best. God has always been a producer. If we're going to be like God, we'll be producers. But how many know out in the world, they've got a lot of people to consume? They'll consume your time. They'll consume your energy. They'll consume your money. There's a lot of people who would love to use my money to run their business. They want to consume it. They don't even understand what they are. But once you understand that there's a life element about a leader, there's an abundance in him, an excitement, an enthusiasm. You know, use all the different adjectives that bring that to its fullness to understand. But in him I live. In the presence of the Lord there's fullness of joy. See, there'll be a joy and excitement about you because you've been in his presence. You're drawn from that life. And you're pregnant. How many know you can tell when a woman's pregnant? Nobody has to drop you a note. I mean, when that belly's out there, you know, she's been with a man. People can tell when you've been with Jesus and when you've got life in you. You'll be pregnant with life. You'll have virtue. When Jesus was touched, he said, who touched me? He felt virtue go out of him, life go out of him. And you can tell when people are touching, tapping into the life that's in you. Every leader has life in him. And the only way you can keep it in abundance is through the Word of God, having abundant life. Are we still together? Let's go to 13 skills or abilities a leader needs. The key thought here, this came from Warren Bennis' book on, on becoming a leader. The ingredients of leadership cannot be taught. They must be learned. Leaders are made at least as much by their experience and their understanding and application of their experience as by any skills. Let me add another phrase to this. I think it would help put some things into perspective. Notice he said that the ingredients, leadership cannot be taught. It's kind of like prayer. It can't be taught. It must be caught. It's something that's contagious. Okay? It's almost like you get it by osmosis. Now, to me, one of the greatest leaders that I've been around is Kenneth Hagin. Okay? Now, I honestly believe that that's where I picked up so much of what I have in my life. But it wasn't what he sat and taught me. He taught me principles of faith. Okay? But on being a leader, I never heard him teach on leadership one time. It's something that's caught. There's a spirit involved in being a leader. And, uh, well, you find that Moses, when he hung out with God, Abraham, when he hung out with God, the disciples, when they were with Jesus, 
So it's more than just learning. Learning is fine, but there's still an element here of catching something. Because okay? it has a spirit about it. And uh, you can follow it all the way through. Uh, Paul being discipling Timothy. John Mark. You know, come on down the line. Those things were there. Now on ability, number one is to accept people as they are. Not as the leader would like them to be. The leader doesn't judge others, but attempts to understand them on their terms. To accept people as they are. How many of you want to be accepted just like you are? All of us do. All of us know we need to make adjustments. All of us need we know we need to make changes. All of us know we need to improve. It's like, you know, with your children, being loved for what you do or who you are is two different things. You know, I don't want my children just to love me because I give them gifts. When they were small to buy them toys and what I'm, I wanted them to love me because I was me. See, everybody wants to be received right where they're at. They're not closing their eyes to all their faults and shortcomings and lack of knowledge and all that. But how many of you know you need to take people where they're at? You can't take them on to a higher level, get more done, if you don't receive them right where they're at. I don't mind telling you, there's been a many a young man, if I looked at them as to how they were right then, they would not have been with me. I would not have received them into my life. I can think of one right now that his life was a total mess, a total disaster, failed. He felt like a failure, talked like a failure. If I went by his actions, you know what I mean? Hey, it spoke failure all the time. Follow me anywhere because I received him just where he was at. And I said to him, hey, stay with me. We'll get out of this. We get on the winning side. Are you following me now? See, it it does something when you receive people where they're at. One of the things I'll be eternally grateful to Brother Hagen is he received me where I was at. He knew he was getting a nerd. (laughs) And he loved me anyway. He loved me in spite of my faults, in spite of my failures. The same thing's true of my wife. Couldn't anybody have been more ignorant and more stupid about certain areas of life than what I was, but she loved me anyhow. She received me right where I was at. And she's improved me a whole lot. Now, I ain't everything she wants me to be yet, but I'm still working on it. And what I'm not working on, she's working on. (laughs) So through one of us polishing, we're going to get this thing slicked up yet. Huh? Now, that's, that's, that's good. Why? But you had to receive one another right where they're at. Do you know we have people in our companies today that when they started, if you looked at the natural, there was no way that you'd ever think that they'd ever be at certain levels that they are now. But we received them right where they're at. 
did our best to infuse life into them, encouragement into them, believed in them. And I watched them rise to a level today that just blesses me beyond words. Can't give enough praise to God for what he's done in their lives. That's true in ministry and that's true in business. But it was people who were willing to stay with me and give us that chance to make the deposits in them and do what we need to do in their life. And majority of the people in leadership, both in business and ministry, have been with me anywhere from 10 to 18 years. And it's just beautiful. So, to accept people as they are, not as you'd like them to be. You have to understand, when Brother Hagin handed me that tape recorder that first day and said, I want you to record the message, I didn't even know what button to punch. He had to look at me in faith. Well, I know he did, because I remember the Lord, when I'm, you have to understand, Pat and I eloped. We didn't get permission. We took off, got married. She come dragging me home, and the word was, surprise, surprise. (laughs) Now, that was a shock to the whole system in the household, okay? And there you are, you know what I mean? Someone as warped mind and carnal as what I was, and she come dragging me home to this godly man. But one thing I'd be confident of, I'm, I'm responsible for Brother Hagin being close to God because I kept him in prayer. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I intensified his prayer life. But I remember he asked the Lord when the Lord told him, actually before we got to tell him that we were married. And the Lord said, he'll be all right. I've got a place for him. Now, that was good news for both of us. <laughs> no? I believe it brought peace to his heart, you know what I mean? That, you know, that, hey, it wasn't a total wipeout. May not have been the best. But you know what he did? He looked at me with love and faith. He loved me when I was unlovely. He advised me when I was hard-headed. He kept on keeping on, even times when I'd get in the flesh and threaten to whip him. (laughs) The bad part about it was I could have done it. I had that kind of ability and I had that kind of anger. But he looked at me in light of the word as to what I could be, not what I was. I was a mess. I wish I was perfect, but I'm so thrilled I've come as far as I have. And I'm still working, still polishing. You know, I think sometimes in companies, in ministries, God brings people into our lives that have such great value that unless God brings revelation, you don't know what you got. If God needs to give you, as leaders, ability to see past the outward and look at the inward. Because without that, you're going to miss the best. I know you've heard this story, but it bears repetition. Remember the largest gold nugget was ever found? It's found in Australia by a farmer who's walking out through his fields kicking cow patties with his boot. 
going like that. And he hit one one day that was so hard, he couldn't move it. And he looked at it and hit it again, and there was a little glimmer underneath. It was all covered in manure. And he said, hey, this is something important. He took it back and washed it off, and he had found the largest gold nugget that had ever been found. And what you have to understand as a leader, God has to give you the ability to see through all the crud in people's lives. And look at the real jewel and gem underneath. And for some of them, you need to recognize, hey, they need to be polished. They need to have some things cut off their life and shaped and formed and polished. And they won't stay if they don't have the goods while you're polishing because that's abrasive to them. But if they'll hold steady and let you polish them, they'll shine to the glory of God. The greatest people we have in our companies are the ones that have stayed with us and let us polish them. Let us bring them along. Let us give input into their life. But we had to accept them right where they're at. Start right there and take it on up. Same thing's true in the church. How I many know some people's lives are total disarray? When they come into the church, it's a mess. But if you'll wash them in the water of the Word, you'll find some of the most priceless jewels, some of the most precious people that you'll ever encounter in life if you'll have that ability to accept people as they are. Ability number two. The leader has the capacity and the ability to approach relationships and problems in terms of the present rather than the past. In terms of the present rather than the past. Now, you'll, be, you'll see that even more vividly when people have made repeated mistakes. Because each time, what you have to do is deal with them presently where they're at and not be dragging up the past. How I many you know they call it past because it's past? It's done gone by. It's not in the present. How I many know God doesn't live in the past? He's an eternal God and He lives in the present. Now God is. Present tense. This moment. Now, if you don't learn to be like God in that and learn to deal with things now as they are, not back then, okay? You deal with it right here and now. Now, somebody says, well, does that mean you completely ignore the past? No. But you don't need to let it hold you subject to right now. You need to deal with that people and where they are at this moment. Working to develop them, change them. I was working with a young man who had gone to rehab, drug and alcohol twice. And in working with him, I was getting a little bit frustrated and discouraged because it looked like he'd just turn right back around and go right back into the same old thing again. You know what I mean? History was repeating itself. And I was almost to the point of discouragement of saying, hey, forget it. I ain't even going to try to help him again, you know. Uh, it's just not worth it, you know, going through all the hassles and everything that's involved. And another brother came up to me. He said, now, nah, Brother Buddy, he said, uh, 
let me encourage you in something. He said, I had to go through rehab nine times before it took. Now, how many know that speaks of a number of different things and qualities that we need to be aware of? One, consistency, keeping on, keeping on. How many times will you help somebody again? I remember when God had me helping one young man. I'd watched him mess up so many times financially. I'm talking about a ministry now. And I mean, just blow it, money, thousands of dollars, lose homes and all kinds of things. And I remember when the day came, I'd helped him, watched him lose three homes. Lost three homes. One of them he never, lived in 11 months, never made a payment on. You know, my mom, that don't compute in my mind, okay? Just, it won't plug in. And so God came to me in prayer when I was praying one day, and he said, I want you to help this brother again. I said, you're joking. <laughs> Surely you jest. He said, no, I want you to help him again. Mm-mm. No. Not willing to. Lord said, no, I want you to help him again. I said, mm-mm. No, I don't want to help him again. I've had all I want. There's wasted money, wasted time, wasted energy. It's been a waste. You know what you do with waste. You flush it. As far as I'm concerned, he's flushed. I'm through. And the Lord said, no, I want you to help him again. I said, God, I don't want to help him again. He said, you'll help him or else. I said, well, I believe I will. <laughs> and we're getting down to the nitty-gritty now. This is the fourth time. I've had three bad experiences already. Don't need another one. God said, I want you to do the fourth. I did the fourth one. You know what? He blew it again. <laughs> you know what? I never bring his name up in prayer again. <laughs> no, I'm kidding with you about that. But you see... God is long-suffering. And he'll want you to keep on trying to help some people. You know, at Harrison House, one time we had a woman who embezzled $28,000 out of the company in the beginning days. Like to bury us. It's taking every dollar you can get your hand on in those days. You know, worked with her, didn't send her to jail. She had two small children. Forgave her, believed God for the money. God returned the money in one year's time. You know what I mean? Recouped it. Got everything paid and everything all right. Went to hold a meeting over in Arkansas one time. Pastor says, well, I said, we've got somebody that, you know, that'll run your book table for you. They'll take care of everything. You won't have to worry about it. Said, I, I think she knows. She said she worked for you at one time. I said, well, I've, I've had a lot of employees. I didn't see who it was. Would you believe she took money out of my book table money again? <laughs> now, my flesh, <laughs> you know, I hated to tell the pastor. But finally, I needed to tell him, you know what I mean? Because he's going to lose something else, you know, if I didn't. Now, what are we talking about in all this? It's the capacity to approach relationships and problems in the terms of the present, not the past. The past will try to constantly keep coming in. You have to deal with it where it's at right now. And that keeps you on a just basis as to where you are. See, if you continually consider the past, somewhere along the way you'll become unjust. 
you start dealing in unjust actions. And that'll hurt you and hurt them. Ability number three. It's the ability to treat those who are close to them with the same courteous attention that is extended to strangers and casual acquaintances. The ability to treat those who are close to you with the same courteous attention that's extended to strangers and casual acquaintances. Be sure and be nice to everybody. This is one I've had to work on. And you know, one of the things that always has a tendency that's gotten me in trouble in it has to do with the fact that I, I've, because I've built a close, intimate relationship with some of the people, then I think they know how I am. They know where I'm at. They know me. So they shouldn't be getting offended. But there's still no place in your life to where you can't be courteous. You understand what I'm saying? You've got to be at that point to where you can be gracious at all times and extend to them as though you would someone you'd never met. There comes a point to where actually something can become so commonplace to where you start to take things for granted. Start taking people for granted. And it's dangerous ground. You've got to always hold them in that high esteem. Ability number four is the ability to trust others even if the risk seems great. Leadership without mutual trust is a contradiction in terms. Number four, the ability to trust others even if the risk seems great. What you got to do. Leadership without mutual trust is a contradiction of terms without mutual trust. You have to trust them, they have to trust you. Otherwise, you're not a leader. There's got to be an acceptance. There's got to be a grabbing hold. There's got to be a taking a part of. Otherwise, you're not really leading. Well, let me use another illustration. Uh, I have people come along when I was a pastor, and they'd come along and say, you're my pastor. Love you, pastor. I'm going to be with you for always. You know? And two weeks later, I can't find them. And then I have people come along. Oh, you're my pastor. You're my pastor. Well, do you tithe? Well, no, but you're my pastor. Well, you lying then. See, you're not really a part of it until you reciprocate. Good preaching, brother, buddy. Go right on. <laughs> hey, it's not real. And people have to understand that. Trust resides squarely between faith and doubt. Let me qualify that. You have a tendency, you want to believe God, and yet there's a doubt here. Somewhere in there you've got to trust. Okay? It's having faith when doubts are flooding your mind. And you have a trust that comes. The leader always has faith in himself, his abilities, his co-workers, and their mutual possibilities. You know, sometimes I found I believed in other people more than they believed in themselves. 
That's happened many a time. I have believed in other people, their abilities, their skills, more than they have themselves. I'll tell you this much, I think Brother Hagin believed in me more at times than what I did. What else? But he also has sufficient doubt to question, challenge, probe, and thereby progress. In other words, there's a point that you have to understand that you'll get what you inspect, not always just what you expect. So to prove it out, you need to be inspecting. Preserving mutual trust is a primary task for any leader. In the same way his co-workers must believe in him, themselves, and their combined strength, they must feel sufficiently confident to question, challenge, probe, and test too. Number five. A leader has the ability to do without constant approval and recognition from others. Ability to do without constant approval. I had one man that was under me. He was a part of leadership, but he was a type that had to be stroked every day. My arm wore out. I guess what happened was I was trained under Brother Hagen. He didn't stroke. So it was hard for me to stroke. Uh, somebody said, well, Brother, you need some encouragement. Yeah, that's why the Bible says David encouraged himself in the Lord. You have to learn to encourage yourself. Okay? There is a time and a place to stroke people. But I don't know if you know it or not, but you can stroke people too much. I guess the key is, is which way are you stroking them? Is the hair laying down or is it standing up? We better move on before I get in trouble with that one. If you have to have constant approval and recognition from others, you'll be a frustrated leader. You have to know that God approves and that's it. Number six. The ability to communicate clearly with others. This means the ability to create understanding. This means being a good listener as well as a good talker. Communications is more than just saying something. It's saying something where they can understand it. (laughs) Years ago, my wife and I, we were redoing a bunch of, well, actually the whole addressing system of Brother Hagen's. We had them in old stenographic uh, stencils had his whole mail list on this is long before computers were ever, you know, really the end thing and what have you. And we'd had a deal where we were having to just clean out the whole mailing list and go through every name and what have you. And we had a gal that was over it and she, she was a real pistol. And uh, Berta, she'd go through those things and be picking the ones out and reshuffling them over like that. And her husband one day, he come in, we were working 10 and 12, 14 hours a day you know, going through all that, because we had to hurry up and get it done to get the Word of Faith out. And you're just, you know, going as fast as you can, being as accurate as you can. And her husband, when he got off work, he came in one night, and he says, well, is there something I can do to help? And so she said, yeah, sit down here, and I'll show you. And she sat down there and showed him, and he made the mistake of asking one question. 
you know, for clarification. And I'll never forget it. She looked at him. She says, listen, I've explained this the way that I understand it. Now you figure it out. <laughs> I fell out of my chair, you know. Oh, Lord, that's why she couldn't be over that department. <laughs> See, communications is more than just saying something. It's bringing understanding. And you can't be a good leader if they don't understand. Number seven, the ability to inspire, encourage, and motivate others to action. The ability to inspire, encourage, and motivate others to action. If you can't do it for yourself, it'll be hard for you to do it for someone else. See, if you can't inspire yourself to start, if you can't inspire yourself to action, I don't know about you, but I have to use little tricks on myself. I'm serious. I guarantee you. Otherwise, my flesh will want to lay there. You know? You know, one of the tricks I learned about my body, how many know your body has a voice? You don't think so? Go on a three-day fast. Honey, it'll talk to you. And I, I knew that years ago that if I was going to get my body to relax, you know, that my body had one condition as to what was in bed for the night and to relax. And that was if I took all my clothes off and slipped into the bed, you know what I mean? It would relax and think it's in for the night. So if I wanted to take a 15-minute nap to get my body to relax, I'd fake it out. I'd take all my clothes off, slide into bed. It'd go to sleep, and I'd have the alarm set, and my body would be so mad at me when I woke, that alarm went off. <laughs> now, some of you think that's foolishness. But that was the only way that I could get my body. Otherwise, my body, if I laid down across the bed with clothes on, my body said, you ain't going to be here long. I ain't giving up. <laughs> So I learned how to deal with that dude. Now, you can think that's silly all you want, but it was my way of dealing with it to where I'd be fully rested. How many know 15 minutes good rest? You're in good shape. Hey? My body wanted more. How many know the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak? See, it wants its way. Number eight, the ability to manage their time. Now, what does that mean to us? Which means they must know their purpose and priorities. Skill that you will need is the ability to manage time. That's why tomorrow we'll be dealing with, you know, working smart. Managing time, getting it right. You can't do that unless you know your purpose and your priorities. The problem with most people is their priorities are out of whack. That's why they can't get more done. I notice different ones using planners and what have you, and I've gotten a great deal of our people to use the Franklin Planner. There's some new ones coming out. They'll always keep updating them, and you know what I mean? I'm, I'm open to changing. But one of the reasons I like the Franklin Planner so much is that it deals with values and goals. It's the only one that I have found to where you make that a part of setting your priorities, that you get it down to what you value and what your goals are, that that comes into play in your daily priorities. Now, to me, that has value. See? To me, that helps make me a better leader. 
because I am able to manage my time effectively. I lost so much for this, so much for that. And I know it gets irritating to some people. But you'll find that if you don't learn to manage time, it'll run away on you. And once it's gone, it's gone. And you better reckon with it now. Have an understanding of it. Are we still together? Number nine, a leader must have an ability to handle people. Now, why? Well, in the church world, we'd put it like this. In the church, there's sheep, wolves, and goats. The sheep, you feed them and care for them. The goats, you milk them. And the wolves, you either run them off or kill them and skin them. Oh, brother, that's not your approach to some people. Yeah, if they're going to kill the rest of the sheep, yes, indeed. There's some people sent into churches just to destroy churches. There's some people sent into companies to destroy companies. Placed there by the devil. You may not believe that. I'm certain of it. If you don't learn how to handle people, got news for you. It'll overrun you somewhere along the way. Number 10. The ability to think strategically, which includes being able to solve problems. Paul was an architect. An architect designs and builds according to the design. If you don't learn how to think strategically, to place things at the right place at the right time to get things done, you can never be the leader you need to be. Now, what does this include? Where we're able to solve problems? Well, first, know the goal. Second, plan the route to get there. And third, consider all the options. Three things. Know the goal, plan the route, consider all the options. Now when we consider all the options, what do we need to look at? Consider what could go wrong. Examine it objectively. Remember I said I told you I, I think in extremes? I'll think of all the worst scenarios that I can think of. You know, what could go wrong? What could mess this thing up? What am I doing? I'm looking for the pitfalls, the traps. I'm also looking for the rewards, too. So what do I do when I lay a plan? Plan for all possibilities. Now, I know some people, uh, when, when it comes to faith, now understand one thing. When it comes to working with God, what God has said, you don't have anything else. You just hold what God has said. Are you following me now? Well, how many know the Bible teaches in Philippians that there is a time and a place where you have to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling? There's some things you have to work out. So then you have to consider other things when you've got to work it out and you don't know. Okay, your approach is different then. Now, when you have a command of God, that's it. There ain't nothing else to consider. 
Don't have a second plan. Don't look in another direction. That's it. But when you know that you've got to do certain things and you don't have that exact word from God, then you better go through this. You know one of the reasons that bankers liked me? Why I could get loans when others couldn't? When I walked in the bank, I had three plans on how to pay it back. And I'd sit down and I'd say, I'm going to pay it back this way. They said, well, what if that don't work? I'm going to do it this way. Well, what if that doesn't come off? I'll do it this way. See, that part, I had thought the process out. They knew I wasn't going into it with my eyes closed. And they were willing to know that I had counted the cost ahead of time and I had laid some plans. Does that make sense? Say, now we're not talking about when God speaks. We're talking about when you're operating on your own. How many know God don't tell you every detail in life? Now, sometimes you just got to work out. So, you need to have this part when he hadn't spoken. All right, number 11. We've got three to go, okay? That's all we're going to get to. You'll have to fill in the others. Number 11, the ability to manage change. A skill that a leader needs is to manage change. When something changes... Know how to adjust. Like Roy Hicks says, life is adjust and repair. Learn what you need to adjust to. Learn what you need to repair. Keep it going. Keep it moving the direction it needs to move. Number 12, the ability to handle stress. Oh, some people come along, oh, brother, in God's kingdom there's no stress. Uh-huh. And where might you have been, hon? <laughs> now, something you need to reckon with and understand right now, that stress does not have to be evil. But you have to learn to handle it. See, if you don't have any stress, you'll be weak. Stress can be healthy. Where the problem is, is excessive stress. See, you know, to build physical muscles, how many of you know if you lift weights, you have to stress there has to be stress there to build that muscle. Now, when is it a problem? When the weight is too heavy and it tears the muscle. Are you following me now? Yeah. Yeah. See, then there's that breaking down. Now, a lot of muscle building goes on from the standpoint of what they do is they break muscle and build muscle on top of the broken muscle. Okay? But I'm talking about normal muscle. Okay? Strength muscle. I'm not trying to build muscle for physique. Okay, I'm just talking about strength, operating, living. And stress is fine okay, if it's handled. You have to learn how to handle it. Yeah. Roll all your care upon him because he cares for you. You know, I read that he neither slumbers nor sleeps. There ain't no point in both of us staying awake worrying about it. You know, he ain't worried, but he's awake to deal with it, so therefore I can relax. Oh. Handle stress. You have to have stress to build strength. How many of you know your faith has to be tested? Amen. See, you'll never know how strong it is unless it's tested. How many know there'll be plenty around that are testy? Yeah. <laughs> that will try it. But don't let the stress build in your life. Okay? Handle it well. All right. Number 13. The ability to deal with technology, global interdependence, mergers and acquisitions, deregulation and regulations, demographics and values. 
You want that one again? The ability to deal with technology and global interdependence. I don't know if you know it, but in this day and age, you can be anywhere on this planet in 24 hours. That may not have crossed your mind yet. Whether you know it or not, we're dependent upon other nations for different things. Somebody says, well, brother, I've just got a church over there on the south side of town, so therefore, I, you know what I mean, it's not a, you know, I'm not affected by that. i got news for you, you're affected. You better wake up and smell the coffee. That's a reality. What else? Mergers and acquisitions. Oh, brother, we're in the ministry. We don't do that. i got news for you. It pays some churches to merge. Did you know in Albuquerque, I had five of our churches merge into one because we had a few over in this church, a few over in this church, a few over in this church. You know what? Now we've got one good-sized church there in the city, and it's having an impact. Amen. If you don't start understanding it and everything, it's in business, it's in the church, it's everywhere. What else? Deregulation, regulation. Did you know that if you don't understand those things, it'll stop you cold in your tracks. You know, one of the things we had to fight for is to get this bookstore open. Getting through regulations. We were six months late getting that thing open to what we had planned for it to be. All because of regulations. How many know if you get ready to build a church somewhere, you better know what the regulations are? See, don't, don't, don't think that you're living in some little isolated place. You know what I mean? You're not, you're not off in some little deal. Hey, this thing's big. You better wake up to it. Okay? Know the demographics. Know the values. If you don't know who you're ministering to, you're in trouble. If you don't know what it's going to take to get to them, it's going to be a problem. You have been listening to the FCF Leadership Podcast, where our focus is to help you achieve your destiny as a leader. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, visit our website at fcf.org.